Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we talk to individuals who have dealt with trauma or an interruption in their personal or professional life. Because of the interruption, our guests have either implemented a program or provided a service for people on a journey towards the, towards showing their towards showing their resiliency. Kathy and I are passionate about our faith, social justice, and the impact on our personal lives and community. During every episode, we talk about actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself and find the courage to have faith in the midst of your interruption. Our podcast is titled A Few Good Men. The entire month is dedicated to men. I am one of your co-hosts. I am Reverend O. And I am Kathy Patton, and I am the other co-host. Hey, Odell. How are you? <laughs> you well, know, Happy New Year. Happy. Listen, when can we stop saying Happy New Year to people? When I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You got to every... give us at least January. Well, okay. okay. Every right. time I talk to someone, Happy New Year. I'm like, didn't we, like didn't we talk already? <laughs> well, give us at least till the end of January, okay? End of January. <laughs> so here we are, Kathy, episode number 15. 15. And your wish was to have a month dedicated to men. What prompted you to want to do this? I forgot. Well, because I think about in terms of we, we not that we said our podcast was just for women, but we tended tend to only have women guests on there. We had a couple of men, but I think it's important that we, we recognize that men also go through uh, situations of trauma and not, and we always say trauma, right? And, but it could be a change in life. And so- Right, an interruption, exactly. And so I wanted to hear from our gentlemen that are also experiences change, experiencing changes in their life and have had to take a alter, alternate route on their journey, right? Yes. You always send me on a fishing expedition. I say, <laughs> okay. Kathy says, I think I want this. I think I want that. And I go, okay, let me go find it for you. <laughs> so well, I did. You did. You did. So tell us about our guest this evening. Our guest is, his name is John Barrett, and you're going to enjoy conversation with John. John is a single dad. He and I went to Howard University together oh. and reconnected on social media. So I can't wait for him to come into this space and to tell his story. So when, as I was reconnecting with him, I was, I heard you in the background. <laughs> and then I said, John, can you be on a podcast? And he was like, okay. I was like, this is really good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And although um, Odell has already said to me, how long do we have to say this? I'm going to say to you, Happy New Year, because this is my first time speaking with you and meeting meeting you. So I have all the way to the end of January to say that to you. We just had that discussion. Well, Happy New Year <laughs> to you, Kathy and Odell. Yes, John and I have already gotten that out the way. That's right. John, so tell me how you met Odell. I know she said that you both went to the same college, but how did you how did you interact with each other at college? Were you friends um, in the same clubs? Yes. 
Well, uh, I'm pretty sure it was on this shuttle bus uh, <laughs> riding back and forth to campus. I do remember Odell had a black Chevette and uh, she wore these red glasses. <laughs> and uh, so that's how, that's how I think we met through a mutual friend, Danny, if I remember correctly. Yes, um, John and I were both from New York. Mm-hmm. And John was in the New York club before I joined. And at Howard, the New York club always threw the best parties. Oh. So <laughs> on campus, because I didn't know the fraternities and sororities then, but I knew New York. So they were always throwing the best parties. So I started going to the parties and a mutual friend of ours, Danny Plummer, who I'm gonna give a shout out to, who has been watching our podcast um probably introduced us and we would see each other we didn't have any classes together because he was the brainiac he was in the school of uh, engineering <laughs> correct john that is correct yes yes i was in food and nutrition so we was on opposite ends of campus didn't have any classes together mm-hmm. but would see each other i had a uh, work study job where i worked in the game room so I was always taking people's IDs and issuing um, pool sticks and bowling pins. And that was my way of getting to know people. Huh? I was working in the game room. I love it. I love it. So I, I'm going to safely assume that college was a few years ago. So um, how did you reconnect? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, social media. In, yeah, I was in DC. Uh, couple of months ago and before Christmas I was in DC and all of a sudden Danny Plummer popped in my head and I said I haven't seen him I wonder where he is went to Facebook found him send him a friend request and he responded Mm -hmm. and he and I connected the next day he drove down to where I was in, in Virginia we had lunch and as I was looking at his friends I saw people that I knew and I said, oh, yeah, there goes that guy. There goes John. And I clicked on the link to send him a friend request. And it took him a while to respond. And I actually forgot about it. And then I got an email from him that says, now I remember you. You were the lady that had the black Chevette or the red glasses and worked in, and studied in food nutrition. I said, that would be me. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and that's how we connected. He shared his phone number and we talked and just been talking and catching up through social media, finding friends on social media. Okay, that's wonderful. John, uh, Odell and I uh, talk about our, our life journey and uh, the expectations of us as we were growing up. And so the expectations of us was you you grow up, you go you go to church. You go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you graduate. Um, it's your more than likely you should meet your husband while you're in college or your wife while you're in college. Uh, you um, leave, you get a good job, you get married, you have 2.5 children with a white picket fence and a dog and a cat, right? And so uh, was that your dream or your journey, John, when you were in school? Partially. I wasn't looking to get married. I was enjoying the single life in Washington, D.C. And uh, uh, just uh, I happened to get married. Uh, I I worked, uh, studied mechanical engineering, and I never worked in the field of engineering. I wound up going back to school and doing aviation maintenance. I worked uh, for U.S. Airways. 
place in Washington, D.C., and then I transferred down to Charlotte, North Carolina, and I made this my home. Uh, so that is how I got here. Marriage was not on my on my mind. Um, I did wind up marrying someone from Washington, D.C., and I moved down here prior to her coming down, and we got married prior to her coming down here. Okay. Started a family. Yes. Okay. So that wasn't your initial dream. You, I, I heard you say you were no, enjoying I was, a single I, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He says that deeply. Washington, yes. Washington D.C. is a great place for single men back then. Yes, but I loved being married. Okay. Well, and great. what made you decide to say yes to marriage if you enjoyed single life so much? When you know, you know. Anytime someone tells you that they're getting married, that means they know. And if and there's nothing that you can say to someone to convince them otherwise. When they meet that person, that's it. Yeah. You know. Well, yep, you're right. Well, I actually did meet my husband in college, um, although we were engaged for a little while. So, um, but we've been married now. I think this year. I think this year is going to be thirty five years. I got to do the, the math, but I think it'll be 35 years. Wow. So I actually did know while I was in college. So I had married mm -hmm. my college sweetheart and we had the two children and we had the home. Um, <laughs> but um, of course, our journey was interrupted because our youngest daughter, who is 28, um, has autism. And we found that out at a very early age when she was about six months. And so our journey has been different. Our journey's been different. Odell, how about you? Oh, me. I met my husband after Howard. Uh, after I graduated from Howard, went up to Cornell University. And there wasn't many uh, black professionals there. And that's where we met there for two years and got married and moved to Connecticut, moved back here. But I was always trying to get back to D.C. Love D.C. <laughs> um, but I ended up coming here to New Haven and was supposed to be here for three years and then move on. But here I am. <laughs> so, John, growing up, you're, you know, for women, we're always, you know, we're taught you know, our parents tell us to, you know, finish school. The same thing Kathy said, get married, meet a great, meet a great guy, have kids. Um, what were you told growing up to about life and expectations? Huh, good question. Uh, you know, I just, I, I guess I really wasn't told anything. I just saw my, my mother and father who were married for years, um, was forever until death did them part, did they part. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, look, they were a married couple. They had their ups and their downs. They always stuck together. There was never any pretense of them not being together. And uh, so that was what I saw in my home. I knew, I knew eventually one day I would get married. There was no, no doubt, but it was just, you know, I was busy having fun, living the single life. So no mm. expectations, no mom saying, John, I, you know, I want grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know I, I want grandkids. Well, I knew that my, 
so my mother always wanted a daughter. I did know that. She always wanted a daughter. She never had a daughter, and she uh, always wanted a daughter. And what about you? How many children but do no, you have? No, never any real. I have three children. Uh, my oldest son is uh, 25. Uh, he's in finishing up grad school. My uh, youngest son is 21. He graduated in December. He graduated six months early from App State University. And my daughter is 16. She's a junior at Rocky River High School here in Charlotte. Or actually, it's in Mid Hill, North Carolina, where she goes to school. Okay. Yep. So my, right. my sons do not live with me now because they are out on their own. Um, they left my house and they are... My oldest is on his own, of course. He's working and in grad school. And the younger one, I knew when he went to college, he wasn't coming back home. And that was kind of a good thing. Why is that? Well, when sometimes when people are so much alike, they, they tend to clash. Hmm. You know, so, um, you know, he's a grown man. Right. He's okay. uh, at a certain time, and you and in this day and age, you really can't tell kids too much. You can, you know, it's not like it's not the authoritarian regime that it used to be when I was growing up, which your parents said was was the law, and that's how it should be. But you know, these kids are independent thinkers, and um, that's what we raise them to be. And you know what? If you want to do things your own way, then you can do them your way. I'll support you. But you can you can do what you want to, but you just can't do it in my house. Okay. Okay. I like that. So, so John, in case our, our, our listeners are not clear, um, you are a single dad. Yes. Raising three children. Uh, one We're, now. So what now. has that talk to us a little bit about that transition because you know like you say you know when you know and when mm -hmm. you get married you know what you know and you expect to be married for life till death do us part like Kathy and Garland you know they're together <laughs> I, I love going over their house um, you know and that was my expectation when I was married till death do us part but life was interrupted by a divorce and I had custody of the children, but in your case, you have full custody of your three children. What was that transition like? It was, um, you know, when you're going through a battle, you don't realize you're going through the battle until you get to the other side. You're so busy fighting through that and, and trying to make it that you don't realize how much stress and weight you have on you. So it's just doing what you were taught to do. You know, I was very fortunate in my upbringing. I had two very good, hardworking parents that instilled in me a strong work ethic. And look, I always didn't want to be apart from my children. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I remember uh, I grew up in, I'm from Brooklyn, but I, we moved out to Queens. And the New York Mets drafted a player uh, from Los Angeles. His name was Daryl Strawberry. And Daryl Strawberry was the big, he was a big deal. He was going to be the next superstar. And this young man, I, I don't know if he was in the major leagues at this time or not, but I just remember his story. He did not have a relationship with his 
ex quote unquote superstar. And his father is nowhere in his life. And I said, I don't never want that to be me. You know, I never want that to be me because you can't come back now. If you haven't been in this young man's life, you didn't help him get there. How can you come now? So and I said, I'll ne I never want that to be me. There was a, a, a rap song that came out. It was in the 80s. I was in college. It was by Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs, a, a Boston group. It was called Be a Father to Your Child. And those th things like that always stuck out to me. You be a father. What to was your that child. song called? And I'm from Boston. I've never <laughs> heard of that group. Uh, it was called Be a Father to Your Child by Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs, okay. a Boston based never. rap group. <laughs> never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. That's so it's, uh, you know, I was always involved. I, I considered myself a person that co-parented with my with my ex-wife. Um, I helped, I went to pediatrician appointments. We went to all the birthing classes. We did everything, you know, I helped with dinner. Um, I helped to straighten up. I'm not the best cleaner, but I can straighten up. I cut the grass, I did all, you know, I do all the exterior work, made sure the cars were taken care of. And, you know, so uh, it, you know, once, uh, see what happened was my, my ex-wife got sick. Um, Five days postpartum after my daughter was born, she suffered a heart attack. Now, because of her age, she was, I think she was 37. She was like 130 pounds, 5'8". The doctor said, you can't be having a heart attack. And that allowed her heart to be destroyed. And she went on having a heart attack for over a week after they sent her home. Um, once they sent her back to the hospital, she having open heart quadruple bypass surgery, and they didn't expect her to live. Um, we had had difficulties prior to our daughter being born. And once that happened, we had to find her a specialist. So we sent her to Washington DC to um, get treatment. And she was determined that she did not want to come back here to Charlotte. And I could not move up to Washington. My job was here. I also had a small business that I had started and uh, my kids were in school, we had a home, and you know we didn't know what was gonna happen with her, and I just couldn't uproot and move. And mm -hmm. that took a toll, another toll on the relationship, and that led to our interruption. Right. You know, John, it's funny that you, um, thank you for sharing that story with us because um, in conversation about our podcast, Odell and I, we spoke about that. And Odell's like, well, I think, you know, we're going to ask John if he would share his story, um, why why you are a single dad. And, and, I, and I always like to throw her curveballs. And I said, you know, if we <laughs> had a single mom on the show, would you ask her why she's a single mom? And she said, you know what? No, we wouldn't. And and so because we have these expectations that there we are ex not accepting, but it's normal to see a single mom. Right. Um, but it is unusual to see a single dad. Not that single dads are not out there. We know that. But it was just funny. So I appreciate you sharing that story for our audience. Now, with your children, was there any pushback in terms of coming to live with you or going to, or there wasn't an option going to live with your ex-wife? Well, 
Well, there was an option. We went through a very contentious divorce and it took a few years to get through the process. The, uh, the judicial system afforded her every opportunity to uh, get our children. I fought for my kids. I spent thousands of dollars, as you could probably imagine, back and forth to court. And luckily, I was furloughed at the time. So I was home. I was receiving a severance package and, and uh, pension benefits from my, my company, and um, which allowed me to stay home and raise my daughter for two years. But during that time, I was also back and forth in court. So when I told you that when you're going through a battle, you don't realize you're going through the battle, you're just because you're so busy fighting to survive and to get to the other side, and you're trying to raise your kids at the same time and keep things as normal and free flowing as they had been previously. Mm -hmm. prior to the interruption but uh mm -hmm. you know so it was it was rough and it's and it was it was it was very rough um and i've always afforded my my children the opportunity to see their mother even in spite of uh court rulings that said that i shouldn't because i never wanted them to say that you didn't allow us to see our mom mm -hmm. and some, and, and I wouldn't advise people to do that because if things don't work out uh, and something happens, the judge will say, well, you went against our order. So what do you expect to happen? And, you know, it was there's a lot that went on throughout the course of that divorce. And um, so I'm, I'm grateful because it, it really brought me cr closer to God. And um, because I know that everything that I went through, it wasn't because of my own strength. It was because God carried me through. And um, right. so I'm, I am truly grateful. And um, yeah. That's right. So, so John, are, are you currently, are you, I hope you don't mind me asking, are you currently dating or have you dated since <laughs> your divorce? I've dated. Yes. I have okay. dated. So let me, so I'm going to fix you and Odell up right at this second. You're on a date right now, <laughs> right? Oh, whoa. Okay. You're on a date right now on the podcast. And so you're at dinner. Um, you, you, uh, someone set you up. You haven't met Odell before, right? And so you're at dinner, you're having chit chat. At what point in the conversation does it come up or does it come up at all? that you are raising your three children, that you're a single dad? Well, at this point, my sons oh, are yeah. older. It probably would not, my daughter would probably come up more so than my sons. Now let's say, now let's, if we move back 10 years, let's say. Yes, 10 let's, years, my yes. Son, my son okay, been so you, you're on the podcast 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, shortly, very soon in, you know, but and I and I always made it clear when I when I was dating that I didn't want I wasn't looking for someone to raise my children because mm -hmm. I had that covered. Um, I was if I was dating you, I was dating you for me and not to be a mother to my children because they had a mother. You know, right. they are they would have been part of the package, but you know we had this covered. God had so had it taken care of so. So who asked the question or do you bring it up? Does Odell, as the woman, ask you the question? Do you have any children or or do you bring it up because out of and why do you bring it up? If you're bringing it up, is there a reason why you bring it up? So who, who would that question come from? 
I would probably bring it up probably because it's just part of who I am. You know, uh, my, uh, who I am is not what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a Christian first. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. Um, that's that's who I am. You know, in that in that order. Um, so, so so John, when I when I went through my divorce, dating was very challenging. I never wanted the guy to come to my house. Didn't want him to meet my children. Didn't want him to think that one. I didn't want the kids to see me date, so I kept it hidden. And but I still had to go through conversations of talking and trying to find ways of going out and having dinner and initiating, I'll meet you someplace, or if they would pick me up, I wouldn't let them inside, I'd go mm-hmm. outside. So for a guy, what was it like for you? What was that uh, trans, what, what, what was that process like for you? For women who, well, my kids were- did they come to the house? Did they meet your children? Did you keep them away from your kids? No, I never intentionally kept them away. And if they did meet my children, they wouldn't really know. They would just think it was a friend. They wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything, you know, there was, um, yeah, I would know there was no really coming over to the house. You know, they might stop by every now and then, but it was nothing that they would really take notice of because as I said, you know, my, my divorce went, lasted for a couple of years, you know, it took about probably about three years for me to get divorced. But, and, and after that time, um, dating, um, yeah, I got, you know, it's, yeah, I would say I probably, we probably met out, but it was never any, uh, because they were young, you know, I was always around. Okay. So what was the, as you're, you know, Kathy bring up this dating thing. So (laughs) as you are, you know, for women, when, when, for me, when I, even now I still do it. Um, I, women test men and we test to make sure that you are representing yourself authentically. You know, you, you say you are who you are and it's more critical now that we're older than when we were at it before I, you know, years ago. So I would try to call at different times of the day to make sure that he could talk and make sure he wasn't living with someone or wasn't married and trying to pull a okie dokie on me and be fast. I would um, want at some point try to get to the house. Um, So I would offer, because I was in culinary, I knew how to cook. I would say, let me cook lunch for us, middle of the day, odd time, not breakfast. Or sometimes I would do a breakfast. I'll come by and make breakfast for you and we'll eat before we go to work or we'll have lunch. So this way I can look around the house, look at pictures to make sure, you know, she's just not out of town. So, I mean, these are things that women, women have done. So are there tests that men do to women to make sure that you have done, maybe more direct, are there tests that you have done to women while you're dating that we don't know about? No, I don't test. Come on, John. Come on. I I don't. I really don't. I don't play. You know, I don't. I'm not 
that's not me. I'm not about that life. I'm mm -mm. we look, so we're you don't test us and look, we're I'm single. I'm single. I don't have to uh I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm single. Even if I'm dating you, I'm still single. So what about the woman? How do you know that she's representing herself and she's not living with someone and testing you out? Oh, I would know. I think would I would know. Would not know. Oh, you would know. I, I think okay. I would know. And, and I don't think I would date you if you were seeing someone else. You seem very calm about all of this. <laughs> he's, he's just so cool. He so is calm. so cool. He is. He's really wow. cool about it. Even in fact, they're having the conversation with the woman, and he's bringing up that he's a single dad, and I'm not looking for you to bring a, a be a mom, and you know. And on the woman's side, we are like stressed out listening. <laughs> He's like so cool about it. And look, you had a plan. You you did breakfast, lunch, and dinner, different days, and calling. Can you talk? I mean, you had a plan. John's just like, all right, yeah. <laughs> you know, because guys aren't always. Um, some guys, some guys are not always honest about who they are. So, you know. It's, you know, let's, let's, can, can you, are you able to talk first thing in the morning? Can I call you at night? Say good night to you. Different things like that is what I had to do. And it helps me to know you're representing yourself in terms of who you are, but you're well, saying you are who you are. Well, so now, you're... now, now John's going to be nervous about that and probably start doing what you did. <laughs> Just because well, you well, did you... that. Can you cook me lunch? You can cook me lunch on the weekend because otherwise I'm I'm in the office. <laughs> <laughs> well, good point. That's it. Yeah, that's a good point. I love it. I love it. So, John, um, and I hope you don't find these questions offensive. Um, we just, it is just, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm not. But I, you're just so cool about it. And I mean, Odell has like a dictionary of things that she has planned, you know, when she's going out on this date. But you're just like, okay, well, yeah, otherwise I wouldn't be dating her. And, you know, and, and you and you also, she's scaring you. <laughs> well, now you got to think about what well. the woman's thinking, right? <laughs> and so now look what, look what Odell did to you, right? But um, you said that even if you're dating, you're still single. So that's an interesting comment. What what do you mean by that? If you're not engaged, you're still single. You can be commit you can be in a committed relationship, but you're still technically you're still single. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you know, I'm I'm sure the person that I'm dating now probably wouldn't like to hear that. They'd say, Well, mm -hmm. what do you mean you're single? You know, but that's <laughs> That's just the reality. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, we're, single. we're not married. We don't live together. You're not. We're not engaged. So, no, I haven't. Okay. I have. People ask. They say, "Well, will you ever get married?" I said, "Yeah, when when God tells me." Okay. When I, well, when I meet that person, you know, and the so, person that I'm dating now, she might be that person, but she's just not that person right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so John, I, I, I love the fact that you have given acknowledgement to the Almighty for helping you through. Um, after college, and you said you were enjoying the single life. So the single life and God kind of create 
some kind of yeah. issues. <laughs> when did you when did you find yeah. your relationship with God and say I'm done with the single? I'm done <clears throat> with the DC part of my single life. I was actually into my marriage and I used to go to a barber shop here in Charlotte. It was called it's called No Grease Barbershop, uh, operated by two twin brothers from Buffalo, New York the Johnson brothers, and they actually have a franchise of barbershops. And uh, they would have a Monday Bible study, Monday study. But l let me uh, circle back for a second. What happened was my wife, prior to when we started to go a little, we like I said, we were having a little bit of problems prior to our daughter being born. She had, her relationship had gone to a different spiritual level and um i wasn't where she was so in trying to stay married you know you try to get to another place so you know look i god has always been real in my life and he's always been with me since i was a child but um this, you know I, li I liked hanging out and i liked being in the streets and you know just being single so that mm -hmm. kind of takes you away from some things but so in trying to reconnect, I had a, a, a guy that I worked with. He gave me a Bible. It was an NIV Bible because I said, you know, I really can't. I really don't understand a Bible like most people, the King James, the these and the vows. So he gave me an NIV and that helped me a lot. It was a study Bible that helped me tremendously. And they had a Bible study on Monday nights at No Grease Barbershop. And I would go there. The brothers, they were cool, cool young guys. They were younger than me. Um, and we would have Bible study on Monday night and it was, it was just a really good experience. And like I said, I always knew that, look, I know that there's a higher power. Um, I've been through a lot in my life and God has been with me. A lot of people say, oh, that was your conscience that, that told you not to do something. No, no, that wasn't your conscience. That was the Holy Spirit guiding you and, and telling <laughs> you don't do that. You and when you, when I'm the person, when you see the signs, believe the signs. I worked in the transportation industry for 30 years in between aviation maintenance and working for Charlotte Department of Transportation. Um, we did signals and signs. And I always, and you know, when you see the signs, believe the signs. When you've driven down the street and you know where that bump is in the street, that's where that saying comes from. Been down that road before. You avoid that pothole so you don't tear up your car because you've been down that road before. So I believe in, in the signs and, um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is my sign. Okay. In the midst of the amen to that one. Thank you. And you see the sign, believe the sign. So I'm going to save that question for later because I know the answer. Thank so you. John, when you I forgot my train of thought here. So I, I got to go back. So in the midst of this pandemic, <laughs> sorry, in the midst of this pandemic, are you still connected? How do you stay connected with your faith? Well, uh, I find myself, I, I'm very grateful um, because I know I, right now I'm a, I'm a housing inspector and I go to do inspections uh, several times, sometimes a day, sometimes during the week. And I see how fortunate I am to still be gainfully employed. 
to um, have a roof over my head and mm -hmm. to uh, have not skipped a beat during this pandemic to be striving, uh, you know, flourishing rather during this pandemic. Um, I know that I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. So is uh, your church virtual or they are? Yes. Um... To answer your question, <laughs> yes, it is virtual. And I go to a church here in Charlotte, New Beginnings mm -hmm. Community Church, um, under Dr. Michael Henderson. Um, uh, it was a struggle at first because their audio video system was not really up to par. And it looked like an old dated church. Um, that has gotten better, but mm -hmm. because of virtual services, you can also, you know, I have friends and they say, oh, watch um, Mount Enon Church out of Clinton, Maryland, or Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. And um, so I, 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 I watch Alfred Street Baptist Church. I like uh, Dr. John Howard Wesley. And um, so I, I watch him and, and Pastor Delman Coates of Mount Enon, uh, church in Clinton, Maryland. Uh, so, you know, you do that, but I always make sure that I go back to my home church and okay. watch the uh, new beginnings. Mm -hmm. um, so, I John, tried... yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so John, I'm, I'm certainly glad to hear you say that you are strong in your faith, because if you, if we've learned nothing else about being a parent, boy, you got to be praying as sometimes every day, all day, when you were raising children. Um, but I heard you early on in the podcast. And again, I thank you for sharing your story. You said that, listen, I, I take them to, or took them to pediatrician appointments. I was the one going to school. You um, were, were you part of the PTA? And then how, how did that transition over for you and for your children? Um, I've, my, my parents are Jamaican Cubans. Uh, education is always at the paramount or, or at the forefront of everything. Uh, we believe in education. And uh, so school was very important. Uh, you asked about the PTA. I was when they went to elementary school, uh, I was a member of the school leadership team. Uh, always active when my sons played sports, a uh, member of the booster club, uh, uh, volunteered in the concession stand, uh, ran the concession stand at the high school for fall and winter sports. Uh, when my oldest son went to East Mac High School and played football and wrestled and, you know, so it's, it's always, I've always been that parent. I've never missed a PTA meeting. I know all the teachers. I walk into those schools from elementary school to every high school. All three of my kids have gone to different high schools, from East Mac High School to Independence High School um, to now Rocky River High School where my daughter goes to school. I walk in the door. Everybody knows they know me. Um, I was, I'm now the president of the Rocky River High School PTSA, and I wasn't elected president. They asked if I would serve as president and I, I didn't <laughs> want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I was a secretary last year. And so okay. I was responsible for creating the agendas and doing that. And that wasn't my comfort zone. And I did it because it wasn't my comfort zone. Sometimes you have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. Mm -hmm. and, 
and that also helped prepare me for my the job that I'm currently doing as a code enforcement inspector. Um, mm-hmm. So we sometimes we have to get uncomfortable in life to get where God wants us to go. And, uh, How many men are on the? Is, for you, it's the PTSO. Is that what you said? PTSA, parent. Yeah, PTSA. Student. Association. Okay. Because students and are how now many men? Yes. Okay. Are there other men yeah. on there? One. No, there are not. I'm the only. I'm the only man. And we actually we do not. When your kids go to high school, the PTA numbers drop off. Not like when they're in elementary school or middle school, as it's called here. Um, it's the the involvement is is, is just not there the apathy, you know, you can get them to come out. All of my kids played every sport. Uh, my oldest son football wrestled uh, track, my younger son uh, football and basketball. So they all played in high school. You can always get parents to come out to athletic events, but you can't get them to come to volunteer in the concession stand. You can't get them to come to a PTSA meeting. You can barely get them to come to open house. That's right. Yes, that's, that's right. true. Yeah. So, right. so, John, when Kathy and I were preparing this podcast, there was um, something I, I have always heard when I was going through my divorce. And then I, I heard along the way that I could raise a son. So I have a daughter. I gave birth to a daughter and a son. So my children were eighth grades when I got the divorce. And I was told as a woman, as a mother, that you can raise your son, but you cannot raise your son to be a man. Only a man can do that. Um, so I want to ask you, how do you feel about that comment? And I hear you're raising a daughter. So what mm. are the challenges for a dad raising a daughter? Uh, a very broad statement in what you said. Um, we see a lot of men out here that have been pampered by their mothers and not allowed to be men. I cannot, I would not sit here and tell you that a woman cannot raise a man because we see many men that were raised by single mothers. So to make a broad brush statement like that can't is not accurate. Um, it is, it's, it's tough. You know, it's tough. I, I, I firmly believe that kids need both mother and father because life is about balance and you need that balance, that yin and yang, you need that and kids need that. Now, for me, I'm, uh, I'm gonna answer your question. I can teach my daughter to be ladylike, but I can't teach her how to be a woman. I don't have that, I, I don't. See, now my daughter is very different. I like girly girls. My daughter <laughs> is very different. She's like, you can't tell me how to dress. You, you know, her, her mother buys her all type of, my daughter has so many coach, uh, Dooney Burke, um, you name the, 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 the purse, she has it. Does she carry them? No, because that's not her thing. You know, she, um, her style of dressing is not, it's it's different, you know. It's different. Her style of music. She likes Sean Mendes. 
But then I, I've, I've taken her to Shawn Mendes concerts in Nashville, Tennessee and Atlanta, Georgia. She um, she also has been to Trippy Red concerts, who's a rapper. Uh, so it's uh, you know she's different. These these kids are different. Um, she's Black Lives Matter. Uh, went to protests when they had them here in Charlotte, and uh, so uh, I didn't know she was going when she went. Would I have discouraged her from going? Probably not. But she went and she told me after. With she went with her older brother. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it it's uh, it's it's. I've been very fortunate. She is a very kind, compassionate young lady, uh, very smart. She's at one of the top students at Rocky River. And, uh, you know, Rocky River wasn't her first choice of schools uh, to go to, but it was in our boundary. And I told her after trying to get her into independence where her brother went, I said, look, somebody has to be the valedictorian. Why not you? And mm -hmm. she's gone to Rocky River and she's done very well there. And Principal Turner at Rocky River High School is a phenomenal principal. And she is one of the finalists for uh, Principal of the Year here in the state of North Carolina, one of the eight finalists. Uh, so I just had to plug that. But my daughter, um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's different. It's different. I had to buy a book um, called The Keeping and Caring of You when she was uh, probably 11 I think right around that possibility of that menstrual cycle time. So it's th a lot of things that I don't know that I wasn't able to tell her about. I would ask um, people that were like mentors to her to talk to her um, mm -hmm. after school teachers that were that she had a good relationship with to talk to her. Um, I had a good friend that, and I would ask her to speak with Dominique as well. Um, but it's uh, it's challenging, uh, especially when it comes to uh, my fashion styles, because I'm like, you know, let's go out, you know, because I, I go shopping. I'm a shopper. Even if I'm not buying anything, I'm going to look. And when she was younger, <laughs> I would go out. I would I would go out shopping just to see what the styles were for people her age or age appropriate for, you know, because I didn't know I raised two boys. Right. You know, now I've been a single parent for almost 17 years now. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're talking about from the time she was an infant to does not live here. Her mother lives in uh, back in Washington, D.C. Right. So she right. sees her mother, you know, on some occasions and uh, she does not go up there because that's not part of the uh, the agreement. It's it's challenging, uh, okay. but I but I'm but I'm very fortunate, and hopefully I won't. But she's she she said something to me the other day. I said she went shopping and she bought some rings, and I said you don't need to wear all those rings. I said it looks a little cheesy. She said I can do what I want to. I said no, you can't. <laughs> you know, no, you can't. Oh yeah, you yes. Yeah, they get to all of them yeah. get to that point where they want to challenge you, right? Yeah. yeah. John, do yeah. do any of your children ever talk to you about relationships, or have you brought up that conversation to kind of discuss that things happen in relationships and that shouldn't impact how you feel about being with someone? <clears throat> Has that conversation come up? Uh, we have talked about it. 
but it, it hasn't been a major topic of discussion. You know, I, I okay. think that it might have in looking at things, it might have affected my older son a little bit in his relationships, maybe. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I do believe I, what I will tell you is that I and I and I said this before, I, I liked being married. Um, I do believe in marriage because I believe that because we know that marriage is God anointed. Mm -hmm. um, but you, it, uh, uh, marriage is good with the right person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Um, have either of you, I'm going to ask both of you, have either of you seen that commercial? I don't even know what the product is because I'm so tickled by the character in the commercial and it's a mom and she's sitting there on the couch and the cat is crawling on her shoulder and she's very relaxed, like just chilling. And, and her, one of her children yells from outside, mom, I fell. And <laughs> that whatever the, I don't even know the product. And she says, well, get a band aid." And the, and the child says, but I'm bleeding. And she says, we'll get to. And so don't you get to that point, right? Because the minute you go get in the tub or you take a shower, somebody got to knock on the bathroom door and you just, I mean, you just, that drives me crazy. Like can't, I was just out there for eight hours. And the minute I walk in here, you want to, you want to stop me and say something to me. But John, what do you do for self-care? Self-care is exercise. Uh, I, um, I like to work out. I used to run a lot. I used to run a lot. I run half marathons, 10Ks. Um, I used to travel to run. Uh, I've been to Charleston, South Carolina, ran the Cooper River Bridge uh, race. That was 44,000 people. I've done that about four years. I, I love that. Uh, I like that. I like to ride my bike. Um, I, I don't run as much as I used to because I bought another house and I promised my daughter I would get her a dog and I got her the dog. <laughs> so that dog takes up a lot of my running time in the morning when I'd be out running. I'm now walking him because <laughs> even though she wanted a dog, you know who that dog belongs to. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it's, that's pretty much it. I, I, I used to read. Um, or I tried to get back into reading, and I, I liked Walter Mosley and James Patterson books. Um, I'm a big sports fan, big big uh, New York Yankees, New York Knicks, New York football Giants. New York, all the way. Um, <laughs> yep, I'm not as you know. It's I realized during the pandemic how many things that I could do without. Um, I could mm -hmm. do without sports. You know, I spent a lot of time in here painting and doing things around the house um, during uh, when I was when we were sent home from work for, I guess it was two months or something like that. But, um, yeah, so I've, I know I, yeah, I'm, I mean, the most important thing to me is peace. And you know what? I'm happy being at home, watching my TV. Um, mm -hmm just chilling. That's um, just peace. You know, if it's not bringing me peace, it has to go. That's right. And that, there you go. that, that goes right. for relationships, that goes for family, um, because I will jettison you in a second. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's not really a good quality, you know, and I'm working on that. Mm -hmm. I'm working on that. 
Did you, as your children were younger, John, I know for me, um, my husband worked at night. So um, it was mommy, mommy, mommy when I came into the house and everybody had a paper for me or had homework to do and and everything was coming in. And I'm trying to get dinner started when I'm coming home from a long day at work. And so everything was coming to me at one time. And so I had to take the stance of putting, placing a basket on the kitchen counter to say, anything that you need me to sign or look at, put in here. And when I am ready for you, I will call you and we will sit down and go through everything. Did you ever find yourself having to do that to, to make that separation for your, for yourself and your children? Uh, yes. And again, uh, because we, we stress, I, I, the education portion came easy, came very easy to my kids. They've always, I've never had to worry about them academically. Um, I would always ask them every day, do you have homework? That's, um, that was routine. And most of them, most of the time from, from a young age, they knew that that was the first thing that they did when they came mm. home. You do your homework before anything else happens. Um, and they were very good about that. Of course, kids are going to be kids. They're not going to give you papers. They're not going to give you this. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen usually right before they're walking out the door the next morning. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, fortunately, we are in an electronic age. Everything is signed electronically now. Now. And, um, <laughs> now. Well, yeah. Yeah. But now I can remember having to fill, fill out three sets of medical cards and um, and locker forms and uh, everything in, in triplicates. So mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, but I, I, I think I devoted a lot of time to them and took a lot of time away from myself, but that was, I just felt like that was my job and, mm -hmm. that, and, and it is my job. I was the parent and um, my kids, I think my sons are not, we don't have the best relationship and probably because I was so hard on them because I did not want to fail. Um, and I was, I think the proudest day for me was when my oldest son graduated from Gardner-Webb High School. I mean, Gardner-Webb University. He went on a football scholarship. He wound up not playing the entire four years team and um, doing that. And he maintained a like 3.2 grade point average. So the, uh, the proudest day for me was when he graduated because I felt like, I really felt like I had accomplished something in, in getting him to finish school. Um, and, you know, it's, it's when, I, when I talked earlier about life balance, that I think that's part of the problem too, because I was so tough on them. Uh, they didn't get the balance. They didn't have the balance. It was just always me talking. Mm. And sometimes when you only hear one voice, you can tune that one voice out. And I think sometimes they kind of tuned me out. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that can be this. And that's, and that's caused our relationship to have some challenge. Mm. I think it's, I've always uh, been there, always thought I was doing the right thing for them. It's single parenting. There is no rule book. We always try to figure out the best way to do this, and we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, 
my kids, you know, my two, they always claim that I favored the other. Did your kids always say that you had a favorite? Uh, they would probably say my daughter was the favorite because <laughs> when, when they would do something to her, when I remember one time she said this, uh, they I can't remember what was going on, but she said to them, she said, you can't talk to daddy's baby like that. <laughs> so that was, you know, that was something that uh, opened my eyes. So I guess she would probably be the favorite because she's the girl. Okay. Well, I am thankful that you accepted this invitation to come on our show. I, Kathy always gives me challenges and I try to go out and do my best to meet her challenges and to find someone and talking to you. This was great. And just listening to you having our first talk in over 30 something years, you know, during the Christmas holiday was, was interesting. And I said, oh, this would be great to have John on the show <laughs> and just kick off our first episode of being dedicated to men and you being a single dad. So thank you, John. But I can tell you when we was trying to think of the name for this podcast, I said, we're not going to do something like Mr. Mom or anything like that. I said, it's going to be a true man, man show. And uh, Kathy and I are also fans of Alpha Street Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. she, actually, she and her husband convinced me to, mm -hmm. you know, go into Zoom and we did the Bible study. Can I push it? for a couple of episodes and then they made me the, okay, interpret what he said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was the biblical interpreter of what he said very theoretically and we would have conversations. So we still follow Alpha Street Baptist Church. Um, and he did a two part series, three part series of A Few Good Men. And that's where I got the title from. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. So, John, what would you say to other men that are experiencing what you have experienced? Oh, you can do it. It can be done. And I always say when I when I lived in Washington, D.C., I saw a lot of single mothers raising children and especially and early men do it. So that's my, what I want to say is that you can do it, be a father to your child. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. John, what Odell and I try to expose is that a life interruption can sometimes be traumatic or it can just be an interruption in our life get, that is temporary or end up being permanent. And it can affect our perspective on life. Um, we are very, again, grateful to you for coming on the show because it has not affected your perspective on life. Um, and I'm hoping that um, Odell's idea of terms of like fixing lunch and breakfast has not spoiled <laughs> and doesn't get you to start. <laughs> start questioning just in case except the lunch except the breakfast so don't think about what Odell said but we do appreciate you sharing your story and and being honest 
Um, today's podcast was specifically, all of our podcasts we hope are for everyone, but today specifically, we wanted to focus on men because we want them to hear the message that there are good men out there. Uh, and going through the same thing that you're going through and other types of uh, traumatic life changes as well. I know that um, I shared that my daughter uh, is autistic and initially it was traumatic for me because there were other people helping her to do what I as the mother should have been able to help her to do. So there were other people teaching her to speak and teaching her to walk and they were therapists. But in my mind, that's something that I should have been able to do. And so I I self, I internalized it and, and recognized that how it was impacting me and my daughter. And I didn't think about my husband. And at one point he says, you know, you have to recognize that this was an impact to me as well because I had plans for my daughter. I had plans of teaching her to drive and I had plans, you know, of taking her shopping and wanting to buy different types of outfits. And so while we always will maintain that our daughter will have as close to normal a life as possible, we recognize that our journey had to shift based on the circumstances that we were given. But I have to just remember that it was something that impacted my husband as well. So um, we will continue to pray for you um, as a parent. Um, uh, and we know, and, and, and please, I, I know that it's, it's interesting that you say you think that um, you don't have the best relationships with your sons, but I would venture to say it is better than what you ever will imagine it to be um, because you had tough decisions to make and you made them well and you always kept them first and they'll recognize that and one day um, we'll come back to you and say that to you and so we will keep you in our prayers um, and Odell do you have anything you want to say and share no I, I, I echo that um, my daughter is 30 and raising her child she lives with me or I live with her I'm not really sure <laughs> and there have been times when she has come to me and said, I'm sorry, or I appreciate something that you did earlier. Now I understand what you were telling me. And it's like, okay, it took you 20 something years, but okay, I got it. Mm -hmm. So they do come back. They come back and say, thank you. So continue to do what you do and stay cool and calm <laughs> while you're mm -hmm. doing it. And Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. And to our audience, please don't forget to like our YouTube channel and share our message because someone you know may need to hear it. Mm -hmm.